Coming up on golf today, some of the big names in pro golf square off on Thursday at Wentworth. Not just Rory and Rom, but a dozen and a half live golfers as well. What would the vibe be like at the BMW PGA Championship? And the last 25 PGA Tour cards handed out Sunday at the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. Who made it? Who just missed out? Who are some names to watch in 2023? And the U.S. Senior Amateur has a new champion in Rusty Strong. Got it done at Catanzit and gets a whole bunch of goodies, including a spot on this very show. Happy Labor Day. It's golf today. Golf today. Golf today on Labor Day. Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch of Golf Week magazine. The BMW PGA Championship begins on Thursday. English countryside, this part of the world in September, it's lovely, but there's a lot going on. There is, and some of it's even happening inside the ropes this <laughs> weekend. I mean, this is one of the, probably arguably the most prestigious and exalted event on the DP World Tour schedule. It has been since the mid-50s. You look at the roster of winners, Multiple times, Faldo, Seve, Langer, Monte, Rory, all of the big names have won here. And you just wonder at what point this week the golf itself actually becomes a dominant storyline. Mm. It's certainly not going to be the early part of the week. No shortage of storylines, really a golf journalist's dream. Let's take a closer look at what's happening this week as the Rolex Series returns in the DP World Tour heads to beautiful Wentworth and Surrey, England. Some of the world's best players will come together this week for the BMW PGA Championship. The famed Wentworth Club has hosted this tournament every year since 1984. It's also home to DP World Tour headquarters. Some notables in this field, the U.S. Open champ Matt Fitzpatrick, FedEx Cup champ Rory McIlroy, the defending champion Billy Horschel in this field as well. Now, folks, this is a DP World Tour sanctioned event, and some of the world's best players who decided to join Live Golf will also tee it up this week at Wentworth. 18 players in all among them, Sergio Garcia, Ian Poulter, and Lee Westwood. And Rex Hogger joins us now from Wentworth. Rex, so much to chew on this week. The flagship event of the DP World Tour, but 18 live golfers in the field as well. What is the top line story for you heading into this week? Just how contentious it's going to be. I mean, Rory McIlroy touched on this two weeks ago when he was at East Lake talking about how he hates what's happening to the game and how he's going to be just uncomfortable this week, kind of coming face-to-face -face with a lot of those players. And to give you an idea how contentious, CEO of the DP World Tour, Keith Pelly, last week sent a memo to his members pointing out what he called, quote, strong opposition to having those players in the field. And he also pointed out that there's nothing DP World Tour can do right now. There's a legal hearing scheduled for early next year. And until then, they have to be allowed to play. They're going to be allowed to collect world ranking points, which, of course, is important. Maybe even more important, starting this week, they can collect points to qualify for the European Ryder Cup team next year. Now, I'll give you another idea. Pelly also sent out a memo last week to just the live players that were going to be in this week's field, asking them, requesting that they not wear their live team gear here this week. Today on the range, I saw Wade Ormsby, who is a live golf player. He was wearing his gear. You get an idea. It's just going to be one of those kind of weeks that it's always going to be in your face and you're going to have these players face to face for the first time. It's going to be uncomfortable. Rex, Rory McIlroy, as you mentioned, isn't the only one who's objected to this. The defending champion, Billy Horschel, has been pretty outspoken as well, mm -hmm. saying these guys 
have been brainwashed. And the, the Pelly memo said that these live players will not be given any disadvantage inside the ropes. They're not going to be given the worst tea times or anything like that. Should we expect these guys to at least be paired together? Because there seems to be the sentiment that a lot of players simply want to be quarantined from them. I think that's very much a possibility. And for no other reason, let's go back to the Scottish Open just a few weeks ago when the same group of players were allowed to play who had gone to live and, and they actually challenged. That's how the court hearing started. Those players were paired together. And I think that maybe set a precedent. Now, that was a little bit different scenario. It was last minute, and they just expanded the field at the Scottish Open. But I think we could probably see something very, very similar this week. It'll probably be a little awkward trying to get all 18 of them, as Damon just pointed out, into the same pairings. But I spoke with Billy this afternoon. He was warming up, getting ready. And he still has the, very much the same feelings. He doesn't think they should be in this field. He very much follows Rory's lead on this and says it's going to be uncomfortable. Rex, I understand the PJ Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan is in town as well. What is the significance of that? I think it just, if you go back to the strategic alliance between these two tours, I think it's important for him to be here just to show unity in this particular moment. And keep in mind, Jay Monahan is coming off a really good week at Eastlake. They unveiled a new schedule, they unveiled some changes, they unveiled more sort of elevated events and bigger purses. And they also had Roy McIlroy as the winner. So he, they came off a couple of wins. If he can kind of carry that over this week, standing by Keith, standing by the DP World Tour, I think that could be significant. It's also worth pointing out that they do have, probably have a lot of meetings scheduled this week. Uh, I did have a chance to talk with Jay. He plans on staying here at least through Friday. Rex, the sentiment is very clearly hardening out there among players versus the live players. This is the DP World Tour's most prestigious event. What happens if a live guy's in position to win it in Sunday? Would it be seen as diminishing it? Or does that give fuel to guys like McElroy and Horschel and Matt Fitzpatrick who've been critical of even their presence there? I hate to waffle on this, but I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, if I'm being honest, I think if you look at the possibility of one of those players coming out and winning it this week, that certainly is going to take attention away from the DP World Tour because as a media member, we're just going to be reporting on the fact that, look, they've come in, they've stole, stolen pretty much a big event from the DP World Tour. Now, the other half of that, I think you're right. I think the likes of Billy Horschel and Roy McIlroy, they're only going to be motivated by this. I mean, the emotion in Roy's voice when he won at Eastlake, he understood the significance of it. It wasn't just him winning the FedEx Cup. It was him clearly drawing the lines between each side. So I could see a little bit of both. I know you keep us posted as news develops. Rex, have a great week outside London. Thanks, guys. You know, just when you think this, you know, fractured time in professional golf will, will take a pause, Eamon, like here we are right back you know, in the middle again, what do you expect to happen this week at Wentworth? Imagine it's going to be pretty tense all week in terms of the relationships between players. I would be surprised if the DP World Tour doesn't try to put the live guys together rather than they're not going to put a Rory McIlroy next to a, a Patrick Reed or, or Sergio Garcia or anything mm. toxic like that. So I could see these guys in a way being kind of sectioned off because they're clearly not welcomed by the membership at large and if you listen to the live guys they talk about it in terms of though that they still want to support the dp world tour and not buying it no i mean they're they support the dp world tour in the way that you know a car thief supports the insurance industry their, their thing is just take 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 you didn't see any of them show up over the last few weeks when european tour events were in the two to four million dollar range and almost no world ranking points at stake but they show up when there's eight million dollars and 64 ranking points for the winner at a minimum versus 16. That mm. was an offer over the last couple of weeks in Europe. 
And that's why I think the, the sentiments are running so, so raw and emotional at the moment. And what the live guys are saying publicly doesn't help. I mean, Sergio Garcia, when he was asked about the reaction he might get, said, well, too bad for them. Right. Now, Sergio last played this tournament in 2014. He withdrew after one round. Other than that, he's shown up once in the last 22 years, but chooses to show up this year. Lee Westwood says, well, the European Tour is now like the fifth best tour in the world. It's a feeder tour. They're actually playing for more money on the DP World Tour now than they ever have before. So it wasn't a feeder tour when Lee Westwood was collecting those checks, but apparently it's a feeder tour now. So they're just out there peddling one false narrative after another. And ultimately, that's what they're being paid for. And they need official World Golf Ranking points. Uh, this is an opportunity for those players, especially with this court case, which is, hasn't been adjudicated yet in Europe. Now, real or imagined, does, does Live Golf have the sense of momentum considering they just had their fourth event? Dustin Johnson won it. And I'll ask the question that you asked, Rex, what happens if a Live Golfer wins the flagship event of the DP World Tour at Wentworth on Sunday. I'm sure it would be an embarrassment for the DP World Tour and Greg Norman will be crowing about it on social media, but whether or not it represents momentum, it's hard to say because the, the momentum argument, for so long it seems to swing depending on who's playing on any given week. Sure. Um, but what happened at Eastlake with the essentially 19 or 18 of the top 20 players in the world rallying around the PGA Tour, committing to play against each other more often, being given bigger purses in return for not a huge deal, more commitment. That, to me, ended the idea of a momentum argument. It's like both sides have retreated to their corners mm. now and try to figure out what the new reality is. And in terms of the PGA Tour and, and the DP World Tour, who are having a board meeting today, that is the idea of figuring out what their vision looks like. How do they turn what they have committed to into the actual practical reality? For Liv, Nothing's really changed. It's, they have tournaments that no one's watching. And problematic for them is this, as you referenced, the idea of the world golf ranking points. How do their players become or remain relevant? How do they remain in the public eye? How do people keep talking about them? A year ago, you couldn't go for a couple of days without someone talking about Bryson or Brooks. Yeah. Now they don't get mentioned at all. And that's why they are here this week is because the live golf model has to be parasitic by nature. Mm. It cannot build its own product without leveraging the existing infrastructure in the world of golf, which is have your guys go out and play and achieve prominence on another tour. Yeah. Take the world ranking points available on those tours and from those events and sponsors and take the money and then come back and play with us and leverage it over there at a different corner of the game. And that's ultimately the model Liv needs. And that's why you'll see their Probably the fall, they'll start some legal action against mm. the official world golf rankings as well. They're not in compliance, but they right. don't think the rules apply to them. Well, it does seem that this discomfort and, and disdain to a certain level that the likes of, of Rory McIlroy have talked about not wanting to see these 18 players, that's going to continue. You know, we'll see what happens in the courts, both in the United States and overseas. But this meeting of players, you know, from the global stage and live golf, the, the Rory's and the Rams, you know, with the Reeds and the Sergios, has the potential to continue 
during major championships in 2023. How much is this week just kind of an appetizer for what we're going to see over the next year or two, especially in light of these court cases not yet being adjudicated? We may even actually see it over the next month or two. Hmm. Damon, you know, Rory McIlroy is going to play the Italian Open. Uh, you may see some of these guys in the field at the Dunhill Links. Right. St. Andrews, also on his schedule. You're going to see more of them show up for the race to Dubai finale if they're eligible for it. And I think that's part of the goal is where these guys are eligible uh, in a big tournament with world ranking points at stake and big checks, they're going to show up. So it's just going to be the continuing drama. But, you know, for the rest of us, it's great theater to watch, isn't it? A lot of drama and some great golf to watch this week at Wentworth. You can catch coverage of the BMW PGA Championship. 7 a.m. Eastern time is the time to keep in mind every day starting Thursday coverage begins. Look at that. 7 in the morning. Coffee golf. We call it all the way through Championship Sunday. Coming up next on Golf Today, 25 more PGA Tour cards were earned yesterday. We'll break down the list of the players who are heading to the PGA Tour next season after the Corn Ferry Tour Finals. Golf Today, brought to you by Wind Grips, the best grips in golf. And by Bushnell Golf and the new wingman. Crank up your game. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. About the 25 guys, employment on the PGA Tour, the likes of Will Gordon, moved to St. Simons last October, playing a lot of golf with Seattle and pros like Davis Thompson. David Lingworth was on our show last week, talked about overcoming injury, won the memorial back in 2015. You see Joe Bramlett, Stanford Cardinal, going back as well. But Ryan Armour, number 13, 46 years of age, the sixth oldest Corn Ferry Tour grad. In history, number 19, Tano Goya from Argentina, also makes it at the age of 34. You see Kyle Westmoreland, five-year stint in the U.S. Air Force Academy, the first Air Force Academy grad to earn a PGA Tour card, does so on the number 26, Joey Garber, as we mentioned, just outside. One of the biggest names in the sport. Paying attention. Congrats to all the guys who have earned their PGA Tour cards, says JT. Love watching these guys battle it out in the last few holes and celebrate with their loved ones after no better feeling he would know going from the Corn Ferry Tour to the PGA Tour. What's the most intriguing name? These are some guys that are going back maybe for a second or third time or some newcomers. You know, who's the most intriguing name you're paying attention to? 
I thought it was Eric Cole really jumped out at me because he comes from great lineage. Real thoroughbred here. I mean, his father, a great South African player, Bobby Cole, who won on the PGA Tour. His mother is Laura Baugh, who was 10 times a runner-up on the LPGA Tour. And this guy's the Tiger Woods of the Mini Tours. Last year, he recorded his 54th victory in the minor mm. leagues. So he's a guy who can close. And just watching it yesterday, and we saw some of the highlights there. To me, what struck me, what a just kind of an emotional buzzsaw mm. it is for you guys. The only other place where you see ecstasy and despair in such so close quarters, I think, is in a casino. <laughs> uh, well, we saw these guys yesterday, because there were some guys who were running on fumes, or some guys who had a lot of confidence, some guys whose dream had been deferred for a very long time. And they went through all of this, and that's just to get to the starting line. Yeah. The main event only begins in a couple of weeks when these guys really get to work. Mm. But what you saw yesterday was really the highs and lows of this game yeah. laid bare. But when you look at a guy like um, Eric Cole, to me, he's just a, he's a proven winner. He's just not a proven winner mm. at the level that he's now going to be playing at. But he, he's got a lot of experience to draw on. You, you hear players that go through the gauntlet of the Corn Ferry Tour Finals in the season talk about it as PGA Tour players, what that time in the furnace meant to the rest of their career and the rest of their confidence and how they were able to kind of encapsulate those three or four days or three or four weeks and turn that into a career. To me, it's Brent Grant, and I, mm. I love his fire, his personality, someone who came to the game of golf late, didn't start playing golf till he's 13 years of age, and I saw these images yesterday and they struck me his personality his fire but he also has the game aiming 15th in driving distance this season first in eagles you know was the only player to shoot four rounds in the 60s when he won the simmons bank sponsored by the snedeker foundation he's a young man i think who will bring personality grit and fire and also has that kind of modern template for today's game fourth in greens and regulation hits the ball a long way 87th in putting average i think he has all the tools definitely has the skills and the fire as well. And isn't it amazing to wonder, or enticing to wonder, what the actual confidence boost these guys get from what they just mm. achieved over these last three brutal weeks of Corn Ferry Tour Finals and how that sets them up. But actually, you look at Cameron Young last year, he was finished runner-up in the Sanderson Farms. That was right. essentially, what, his second event on the, on the PGA Tour. So confidence coming out of this kind of cauldron mm. of the Corn Ferry Tour Finals means quite a lot. You look at a guy like Austin Eckrode. He went in to the final yesterday in 64th place in projected standings, a mile outside of a PGA Tour card. He finished third. Echevarria that we just looked at, he was 71st yeah. going into that, and he came out 20th. The confidence that these guys get from having played for their lives, essentially, yeah. what that means two weeks down the road when they show up at the Fortnite Championship oh. and then onward into the PGA Tour season, it's really going to be fascinating to watch because it doesn't get any tougher. That might be the most yeah, significant absolutely. round a lot of those guys ever played mm. yesterday, but it's certainly going to be the most significant round that they're playing anytime soon. And Justin Suh has to be coming to the PGA Tour with a lot of confidence, having had to wait to watch his you know, fellow class of 2019 guys have great success, win majors in some cases like Colin Morikawa, and now he's going to be on the biggest stage in the pro game. It'll be fun to watch him play. Really is. He's playing catch-up, and he's playing catch-up to some thoroughbred sprinters out there. But what he, we saw from him yesterday, he already had his cards. So he was yes. under less pressure than a lot of the other guys. But on an extremely difficult golf course on what is an emotionally raw day yeah. all around him, he put on a pretty clinical performance. And now into the players and the U.S. Open <laughs> as well.
pair of Georgians competed for the U.S. Senior Amateur at Catanz at Rusty Strong versus Doug Hansel. Strong three up with three to play. This is the par four, 16th long, 30 attempt for Rusty. Nestles it up there close on one of the finest courses in the Northeast. Oh man, I've heard so many things about Catanzit. Dude, you gotta play Catanzit is kind of the general theme that I hear. Now this is Hansel having to make something happen. Birdie putt to extend the match, not able to do it. Misses it wide. Strong able to get it done. Three and two. These men have competed against each other for many, many years. And Rusty joins us on this Labor Day. Congratulations. You jumped out to an early lead, winning five of your first six holes. What are you most proud of and what you accomplished Thursday? Well, thank you for having me, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here. And happy Labor Day to each and every one of you. Um, you know, obviously, it was a, it was a dream of a lifetime. Um, it, was a, it was a magical week for me. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but at the meantime, it was very exhausting and uh, full of anxiety. But, uh, but I think that's what the USGA wants. Uh, I, won't think, I think they want a, all of it, but uh, I'll certainly use this as a, as a stepping stone moving forward, and, and I'm just blessed to be in this position. So thank you. Rusty, there weren't many birdies in the final, but there weren't many bogeys either. Was that part of your strategy of trying to be straight and sure to keep yourself in the match early? Well, I, I think the way the USGA had the course set up, uh, I could tell very early on uh, in the morning, obviously we teed off at 8.30, that the winds were, were very high. They were probably 15 to 20 miles an hour sustaining. And uh, just looking at the, my caddy and I, we looked at the uh, pin placements for the day and we knew they were going to be very difficult to get to. Uh, so making a lot of birdies was going to be pretty much out of the question. So we just took the strategy that we wanted to hit uh, a lot of greens, a lot of fairways, a lot of greens and, and, and make pars and take the occasional birdie uh, where we could. And, uh, and I was very fortunate. I had one birdie and one par and, and uh, played even par for 16 holes. Rusty, I know this was a business trip for you, but I've heard so many cool things about Catanzit Club through the years. What did you enjoy most just about the golf course and the experience at the club? Well, to be honest with you, I've, I've never heard of the Catanzit Club. Um, I was, uh, until it was on the uh, rotation for the U.S. Senior Amateur, uh, and it's absolutely stunning. It's a beautiful golf course. It's, uh, it's, right, it's a, it's a link-style course. And I was very fortunate. I had played in the uh, uh, British Senior Amateur back in uh, June up at Royal Dornick, and it, and it had some very a lot of similarities to uh, to that course. Uh, uh, the the layout, the beauty, uh, the winds, which was very, made it very difficult. Uh, but I tell you, if if you ever get a chance to go up there and play Catanza, you would you will not be disappointed. It's an absolutely beautiful golf course, and it's very challenging. Rusty, if you hang around this game long enough, you pick up a lot of superstitions. And I'm, I read that you had a, a little good luck charm hat that you wore during the final yesterday. What was the story behind it? Well, I had a couple of superstitions there, although I'm not a superstitious person. Um, I, I wore a, a peach-colored shirt from the uh, first uh, senior round that I played in in Charlotte. At, at, uh, um, and then I did not make the cut at that point, but also wore a, uh, a blue uh, Sea Island golf club hat that uh, I won uh, my first uh, mid -amateur, state mid-amateur championship. So I had a little bit of failure and a little bit of uh, success. So uh, it wearing the same day, but that, that, uh, um, that hat just reminded me that, hey, I can do it in, in a very 
a challenging environment. So, well, Rusty, as you know, you know greatness is greedy. You win, you want to win more, and you get a lot of goodies, exemptions into the next ten senior amateurs, the next two U.S. amateurs, and the 2023 senior open, for example. What are your competitive plans going forward? Well, obviously, uh, my, my schedule is, is definitely going to change um, moving forward, which is, a, which is obviously a good thing, and I'm very looking very forward to it. And that's probably what made me most nervous uh, entering into the final round. Uh, one of the USGA officials made me aware of all the exemptions that you have with the U.S. amateur, the mid-amateur. I get a 10-year exemption into the senior amateur. Uh, and then I realized that the uh, night before the finals, I was like, wow, this, this is really a big deal. And, uh, and, of course, that made me sleepless uh, that <laughs> night, but it, it all worked out, and, and I'm really looking forward to uh, representing the USGA as well as the Contanza Club next year as, as the senior amateur champion, and I'm looking very forward to playing in those, those national events. Well, you're going to be busy, but it's all good. Rusty, congratulations. Hope to speak to you again down the road. Well, thank you very much, and I appreciate you having me, and I uh, hope you all have a great day. Well, Rusty joins a great list of USGA champions this calendar year. See Matt Fitzpatrick there as the US Open champion. And there's Podrick Harrington. He'll see Rusty Strong next year when he defends his US Senior Open title at Century World in Wisconsin. Here's some more. We see Shelley Stufer, Saki Baba, Sam Bennett, who recently won the US Amateur. And Rusty joining that list, a selection of 10 of the 15 national champions the USGA has crowned. Golf Today. Welcome back to Golf Today. I'm Eamon Lynch, next to Damon Hack. And what a Sunday it was for Gabby Lopez at the Dana Open. The Mexican star fired a final round of eight under par 63 to win her third LPGA Tour event. Gabby birdie three of her final holes, capped off by this birdie putt from about 15 feet on the last to secure her first victory in more than two years. And here is a list of the achievements of Gabby Lopez. That was her third career victory. That tied her career low 18-hole score with a final round of 63. It's a four-stroke comeback and her career best 72-hole score of 266 strokes. And she's one of two LPGA Tour winners from Mexico, the other being the great Lorena Ochoa. And with that, we're happy to welcome in Gabby Lopez. Gabby, congratulations on your victory. Four strokes back to start the final round. What was your game plan when you teed off yesterday? Try to keep it simple. I knew that, um, you know, trying really, trying too hard sometimes, it takes you away from, from where you want to be. So, um, yeah, try to make it as simple as I could. Try to create more quiet time on my pre-shot routine so I could execute, execute better shots. Gabby, 863 is a phenomenal round of golf. What was the most important shot that you hit yesterday and why? That's an interesting question. Um, I'm going to say that putt on 13. Um, I've been hitting it really close. I missed a six-footer or nine, and then I missed another six-footer and 11 <laughs> for birdie. And I had so many chances for birdie, and that 13th hole gave me the momentum to keep going and thinking that I could have a chance. That's all I was hoping for. If I can get a chance, if I can get a chance, then um, we might be able to close it out. And, you know, thankfully, I didn't have to play a, any playoff. After the win, Gabby, you say that sometimes your biggest competition isn't necessarily 
against the rest of the field, but sometimes against yourself. Can you explain what you meant by that? Yes, um, I think we all have this great ability to play golf. But, you know, I have now this, this mental coach, um, Stephen Yellen, and he helped me a lot to identify that we all can access to that um, great golf we have all within <laughs> by staying in the moment. And sometimes overcoming, you know, your fears and your doubts, it's a bigger win than winning over the field. And that's to me, you know, sometimes when you get into this role of negative thoughts and all of a sudden you see yourself accomplish great things, I think that's when magic happens. Gabby, the COVID-19 pandemic was a very difficult time for so many around the world. We just spoke to our, our good friend Ron Sarak, who thought that when you won uh, at the, uh, the Diamond Resorts then Tournament of Champions, that you lost a little momentum with the stoppage of the LPGA season. How much did you feel that you did lose a little momentum that you had built uh, in Orlando with a chance to kind of capitalize on that victory? 100%. I did lose a little bit of momentum. Um, it was hard because... You know, being able to practice for so long and then with no competition and coming into 2022 and at the beginning of the year, February, March, I got myself into two injuries, uh, a neck injury and a wrist injury. And that also kind of slowed me down. And honestly, I played really frustrated golf for the last couple months. It's been really, really hard <laughs> mentally able to to believe that I could play, but I couldn't connect it um, until this week. So much of the attention yesterday, Gabby, was on Lucy Lee and Lexi Thompson at the top of the leaderboard. Did that help you in a way that the noise was all directed at them and allowed you to focus on the job at hand? For sure. Um, it's not, it's not, nothing easy um, playing in the last group and, you know, having the lead. It's, it's always hard. Um, you're expecting to win. Everyone is expecting you to play well. So sometimes when you're coming from behind, it's just kind of, it's a little nice, comfortable zone, uh, knowing that you just got to keep the gas pedal down. Um, a lot of things are not in our control. I always think that sometimes winning comes with a little bit, a little bit of luck, you know, a lip out from another player or a good bounce. Um, you know, so I'm really happy that, you know, kind of luck went my way this week. You have joined Lorena Ochoa as LPGA winners from Mexico. She's a World Golf Hall of Fame member, an absolute legend in the game. I'm just curious what kind of impact she had on you growing up in this game. Amazing impact, everything. I mean, she's the reason I am a professional golfer. And till today, mm -hmm. I text her and she calls me every single week. <laughs> We're in constant communication. She has been a great friend and a great mentor. I've learned so many things. Uh, I had the opportunity about three months ago to be in Mexico City with my, with my caddy, uh, Carlos. And we were working our routine and we were working our communication. And she was like, hey, you got to be very, very precise. Every single time has to be exactly the same. So Carlos can catch up and see when you are nervous, when you're intense, <clears throat> when you are rushing. So uh, being able to have that feedback and being able to train with her, it has been, has been great. That's a heck of a mentor to have. What, what are your expectations for yourself going forward now, Gabby? Is it winning more consistently? Is it major championships? How, how have your goals shifted? I try not to, I, don't, I really want to not think about it because um, I just feel that the best years of golf from Gabby are about to show up. They are just kind of releasing themselves. So I think that, um, you know, I just want, I don't want to put a number. I don't want to put a limit. I don't want to put a, a ranking. I really want to see how far I can go by doing 
what I can do and control what I can control day by day. Eight events left in this season. I'm just curious, how do you kind of maintain your stamina? That was something that Nelly Korda talked about a lot at the end of last year, especially when you're in contention and you win, that there's kind of a bit of a, of a lull or letdown that can happen. Where's your energy level at this point in the year? I think it's going to be not as bad as last year. I am actually going to be more, more focused on recovering and nutrition. I wasn't uh, that focused on that in my previous years. So now I have this life coach and nutritionist that helped me, you know, to see what is actually going to make me recover much faster and, you know, much more efficient. So um, I feel that I have a little more of an <coughs> energy. Probably haven't played as much as uh previous years but I also think that that's part of you know a career and we all gotta we all gotta watch our bodies and we gotta watch our mind well sure fun to watch yesterday Gabby congratulations on LPGA win number three we'll speak to you soon thank you